welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we'll be discussing When a Scot Ties the Knot by Tessa Dare. Uh, but before we get into the book, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on social media. You can find us at the PHX Nest Pod on Instagram and PHX Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at the Phoenix Nest Pod at gmail.com. The links to our social media can be found in the description along with our link to Goodreads, as well as the link to Mostly Books, our favorite local independent bookstore. All right, Kat. We read Are a you his- ready? We read another historical, but this time we read a Regency historical. Yeah, so we're going to mention that this is the third installment in this series, in the Castles Ever After series. And we just realized that our lost Tessa Dare... Um, episode that will never air ever and i don't even know if i have it saved anymore um, i don't know was one of the books in the series which is weird and they're not related no they're just similarly themed i they guess have, is what we would they say they have castles I don't, whatever anyways here we go here's the blurb <laughs> read the blurb <laughs> <laughs> on the cusp of her first london season miss madeline gracechurch was shy pretty and talented with a drawing pencil but hopelessly awkward with gentlemen. She was certain to be a dismal failure on the London marriage mart. So Maddie did what generations of shy, awkward young ladies have done. She invented a sweetheart. A Scottish sweetheart. One who is handsome and honorable and devoted to her, but conveniently never around. Maddie poured her heart into writing the imaginary Captain Mackenzie letter after letter, and by pretending to be devastated when he was not really killed in battle, she managed to avoid the pressures of London society entirely. Until years later, when this kilted Highland lover of her imaginings shows up in the flesh. The real Captain Logan Mackenzie arrives on her doorstep, handsome as anything, but not entirely honorable. He's wounded, jaded, in possession of her letters, and ready to make good on every promise Maddie never expected to keep. Okay. Um, I don't like this blurb. I mentioned that when I sat down with you today. Yep. I think it's not... It's not con- It's not enough for what actually happened. It's boring, I think, is my problem. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a fair. boring description of a story that wasn't super boring. Like, we'll get into what we liked and didn't like about it, but there was a lot of this that ticks a lot of boxes, I think, mm-hmm. as far as, like romance in general goes since we struggle with historical so much that was kind of like whatever um but i think our reasons for struggling with historicals though isn't so much what's happening in the book i think it's more that we are woke feminists and we have a bad attitude (laughs) we're we're like woke feminists and we're like these women can't do anything and that's bullshit and she was close to being i mean she's pretty feminist but there are two parts of this this blurb that don't make sense, and one is um, that she is hopelessly awkward with gentlemen. We never, ever see her um, because she's never presented to society. No. So she, we don't, how would you know that? Like, you don't. And you she don't can conduct that. business with gentlemen. So, like, romantically, she's just super inexperienced. And then the other one is that it says Logan McKenzie arrives on her doorstep, and he's wounded, jaded, and in possession of her letters. He's not wounded, though. Like, he's maybe, like, his soul is, like, wounded, but that's not from the war. That's, like, his whole life. So I wouldn't they, say well, that he was wounded. I think that's misleading. The guys that he was with, is they were the wounded ones. He was right. the one keeping them together. But I'm thinking, like, when you read that someone shows up and appears and they're wounded, you're thinking, oh, she has to take them in and care for them. Because we've read some books like or, that, too. Or, like, we're thinking of, the, like, The Beast of Beswick, where he was severely scarred. He's, like, actually wounded. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, yeah. severely scarred and just not great looking. Yeah. So, like, I just... That's a little bit misleading for me. There, there... I will say, and I texted this to you last night when I finished it, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. It was better than I expected it to be. Yeah. The very beginning actually had me kind of laughing a little bit because of the letters and like her stupid names for Logan. I think they're pretty funny. I so I do like epistolary romances. I like when they have the letters and stuff in there. I think they're fun. Yeah. 
I like, I think that's what I like about some historicals is that you do get the letters like that. And then in like modern day romances, instead of being letters, they're going to be like emails and text messages. Some of them are good and some of them are really stupid. Ugh, like the not the guy you married, those text messages. The ones that you can't follow very well. Yeah. I think aren't. They're like very bad, fun. They're like the bad sex scenes where you can't tell where arms and legs are. Hey, we had good sex scenes. We did. We had like where I was like, what? What has a dare? Oh my god. Yeah, she had some good ones in there where I'm going, wait, 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 go back. What? <laughs> yeah, she did use some of our our least favorite euphemisms <sighs> for uh, his, dicks and stuff. His steel. <laughs> Ridged velvet. (laughs) (laughs) So gross. It's so gross. Uh, So (laughs) they're so terrible. It's so funny, though. Oh, gosh. Okay. So So let's get, okay, let's get into. Let's get into this instead of talking about ridged velvet. What does that even mean? Um, Have you ever faked a romance or faked a relationship to get out of something? To get out of something? Mm -hmm. Like something big? Yeah. No, because who, like, all my friends know each other. If I was like, BT-dubs, I have a boyfriend, you guys would be like, no, you don't. <laughs> We're like, where? Like, where? sure you do. <laughs> what's um, he look like? Where? What's his name? Where is he from? When will we meet him? No, I don't think I've ever needed to, honestly. I've, um, I've done it once. It was not a fake person, though. It was a real person. But I led people to believe that we were together so that we could get out of things because we didn't want to do them. Oh, I mean, people always shipped me with other people against my will. Okay, but your students ship you with people they against your will. They still do. Which is weird. They'll, like, bring it up randomly. I'm like, when is this going to die? <laughs> like, <laughs> stop it. But, yeah, they'll, um, I've been shipped with another teacher at my school for the last six years. Who is married with a family. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you're dating him, huh? And I'm like, no. Wh- how? When? 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 Who? Why? And then um, I was often shipped with my, uh, my ex-roommate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that was, I think that was... Um, probably mostly a mistake and then maybe a little bit on purpose depending on what the event was yeah because we would often go to events together and people would just assume that he was my date or i was his date or whatever yeah and no one would ever like say anything about it they'd be like oh your boyfriend is so cute i'd be like my boyfriend you're like hey who's my boyfriend not who that is but thank (laughs) you (laughs) and i I think because we call each other babe but i never had that far it was mostly like we don't i'm you know my boyfriend and i are gonna go do x y and z yeah so i'm not gonna be able to come to that and they're like oh my god your boyfriend that's cute like yeah you know it's still kind of new or whatever yeah and then i would go tell my friend it was it was my ex-boyfriend who we did end up eventually dating like hey by the way we're dating for the weekend because i didn't want to go do that (laughs) just an fyi he was like cool thanks no i've never had that kind of stuff i've and i mean i've definitely like Hung out a lot with dudes and stuff, but not where I've ever done that. I mean, that's fair. I think for me, that'd be too complicated because I always say I'm the person where I'm going to fall in love with whoever it is. <laughs> so 100%, this would be me. This would be dangerous. I I think for me, it was just easier. Like, he and I, it just, it made sense. So we would just tell people. Like, our close friends knew we weren't. But the friends that we weren't, like, super close with. They just assume. They'd be like, hey, are you If coming? you don't correct people, then, like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Hey, are you coming to that party? Nah. The boyfriend and I are staying in tonight. We're just going to watch some horror movies. Yeah. In the dorms. Like, fucking idiots. Yeah. I'm just... I'm also a really bad liar. Like, I am probably one of the worst liars you'll ever meet if you ever meet me in real life. Yeah. You I, are. <laughs> and just... I just don't even try most of the time to you're, lie because it's it's pointless. But you're pretty straightforward anyway. I don't have a lot to lie about. <laughs> like, why, why like, would you I don't have to? a lot to lie about. If I don't want to do something, I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. That's fair. That's you know, so. I'm better about it now because now, you know, everybody knows I'm anxious and I don't like doing things. So that helps. But the whole point of that conversation is because she creates this Captain Mackenzie in her head and writes some of these fake letters so she doesn't have to come out to society and go to these balls because. But, like, I don't blame her. 
That sounds like hell. And I know that's something that they still do in, like, the South where you're presented. Ugh. Why? Debutante balls. Shut up. Shut up It's just a way... It's like... It's like putting animals on display. Yeah. Like a a cow auction. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, look at how healthy and how much money and... You know, it's like that kind of feeling, and it's really to appease all the old people. No. Because really, they're just trying to have you marry up. Yeah. Like, above your station. But that's stupid. And so, like, that's, I mean, that's, like, in itself a whole different classism problem. But, like, as someone who, at 16, I had maybe had two crushes, and I thought boys were still kind of dumb. And to be fair... They were still kind of if dumb? If you went to my high school or if you um, were a teacher at my high school, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. And you're going to be like, yeah. They, uh, were, they were a little special. I had crushes on boys. I had crushes on girls. It just happened. I was so far into Narnia that there was no way I was going to ever tell a girl I had a crush on her. I just think at 16... Like, that's what Matt... She's 16 when Maddie is supposed to be presented. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you have to be, like, married after your first season, but that's, like, when you're supposed to, like, make a big impression. And she's, she's like, I'm awkward, I'm shy, I don't want to do this. And so she makes up this this fantasy man, which, by the way, he sounds great. I would have probably made someone up like that, too. He sounds fantastic. Anyways, so she um, decides that the best way to get out of this and be like... You know, you guys sent me on that vacation to, like, collect myself by the sea, as you do, in British times, <laughs> like, I've, historical British events. Why can't we t- do that? Like, collect ourselves by the sea? I love the memes about that because it's really just like, bitch, get some fresh air. Like, <laughs> fresh air inside. It's like, oh, go to the sea. <laughs> we don't have the sea here. We have... But people get sent here all the time. Like, it's dusty as fuck. So, yeah, your allergies are going to be better and worse at the same time. I get it. There's no mold, but goddamn, there's dust. (laughs) There's so much dust. Um, Anyways, so to avoid this, she tells her family, you don't have to send me to this ball because I've met someone and he's my intended and blah, blah. But she invents this Scotsman who's in the military because there's a war going on, Mm -hmm. right? And he's like this huge dude with brown hair and blue eyes. And of course, he's got that accent. And he's like... Whatever. She makes him up. And she basically makes a generic good guy. Yeah. Like a a hero. Like, not heroine. <laughs> like <the laughs> like ult- a hero. The ultimate hero. Yeah. Like, Prince Charming, kind of. Like, acceptable and not too good to be true. Because he sounds like a normal person. Yeah. Right? Like, someone that you would want to be with that would make your parents happy, too. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, that's fantastic. Where, you know, where is he? And she's like, well, he's, you know, in battle and he can't be here to leave. He's in the war. And um, so she writes him letters for literally years. And then at some point, she's like, this lie is getting too big. And so she decides to kill him off. And, like, of course, she's been sending these letters, but she's like, Captain Logan McKenzie whatever battlefront like wherever the battle currently was right and that's how she posts everything and then she's like i'm gonna have to kill you off i'm so sorry and she writes that in her letter not knowing yeah well it was almost 10 years that she'd been writing these letters so well i think she wrote him for eight years and then killed him off something because she ends up being 26 that's when he comes to find her and he's pissed he's so mad that she killed him off (laughs) can we okay we gotta talk about how she's 26 and he is also 26 like they're the same age yeah how often do we get that in historicals never normally he would have been like 38 he'd been like 10 years older than yeah it would have been a lot different but it's because you know he was sent into war as soon as he was old enough to join the military as a soldier because he was an orphan and and he got really screwed over. He got real screwed by over. The, the local vicar. Fuck that guy. To protect his own sons. Fuck that guy. He's like, hey, we care about you. We'll send you to university and blah, blah, We're blah. We're take care and of you. And he's like, but you also get to volunteer first when there's a war. He did like, it solely. what? He, well, because he did it solely so he could call him son in name so that when the war happened, he yeah. could save his own children. Which is bullshit. Yeah. It's. Bullshit. It's sad. Um, But we. I. 
one of the things that I think got me a lot in this book was that the orphan thing was kind of saved for later. Yeah. It wasn't a big explanation. Whereas in other books, we have from the beginning, the whole story is about how they were an orphan or how they grew up without parents or whatever it's it was. It's like the big defining moment for that character. And for for Logan McKenzie, he like doesn't really want to talk about it. I mean, Because he wasn't an infant is no. the thing that we find out later. And it's just, it's a really strange common thread that we have through a lot of our stories for romance, which is sad because I don't, in real life, if someone like was real messed up and it was because they were an orphan, like I'd feel bad for them, but I don't know that I'd want to marry them. <laughs> They're not first. saying that being an orphan is bad, but like if that was like upon first meeting someone who you find sexually attractive. And they're like, I have anger issues because I'm an orphan. Like, I feel like that'd be a really difficult thing to overcome as, like, a first meet. Well, and not only that, like, we're in the... First off, the U.S. mental health system is just the stupidest thing ever. No one can get help ever for anything. Yeah. But then we've got, like, the whole thing where if you're an orphan, you're in foster care. And with that comes counselors and stuff. Yeah. For these kids to talk to. So it wouldn't really happen like it did in the book. It's just, it's one of those things where I feel like it's a throwaway storyline almost. Yeah. Because he had a lot of other things that could have contributed to why he is the way he is. I mean, that definitely supports that backup storyline. But we find out his mother just abandoned him. Yeah. Right? And so he has this whole thing with his abandonment issues, which is, you know, to be expected. But I feel like um, Tessa Dare could have drawn on a lot of the other things about him that made him kind of special. I mean, he wasn't a terrible guy. How many no, times? No, no. He wasn't the beast version of no. things that we normally get. No. And we he wasn't like an alpha male or anything like that. He did use blackmail as a means to get what he wanted. And I think that comes from having some expectations of an English gentlewoman as being, well, first he assumed that she was going to be really ugly <laughs> and at best plain. <laughs> Which makes me laugh, because it's like, kind of, don't you just hope for that? <laughs> At best At plane. best plane. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but that's what he's hoping for. And then he meets her, and he's like, holy shit, she's fine. Like, she is hot. She's She's got brown hair, yeah. brown eyes, which is a first for us, too. Yeah. We never have that combination in English or historical. No. Partly because... I think a lot of uh, European people have re- very light eyes and light features, but also, for some reason, brown eyes are just never romanced. It makes me so sad. You have brown eyes. You I want it to be know there. exactly two songs about brown eyes. Brown Eyed Girl and what's the other one? Beautiful Brown Eyes. <laughs> Why are those titles so terrible? <laughs> because no one gives a shit. They all want blue-eyed girls, and that doesn't work. I'm sorry. I mean, that said, I am wearing blue contacts because that's fun. But, like, I, am, I fully am aware that my eyes are, like, dark chocolate chip brown. I am very European, and I'm very sorry. It's just one of those realities. So when she finally mentioned that she has brown eyes, like, doe eyes is yeah. what it's described as. And usually and they- that's saved for, like... Um, mixed race. They also called them. They also called them calf's eyes, which m- implies that they're huge. That's the same thing I thought. With long, like long luxurious ash- lashes. Eyelashes. Oh god, that's all I want. But anyways, we have to pay money for those. Unfortunately, listen, I need to go get that done. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm just gonna learn how to put on my own eyelashes, and nah. that's a bad idea. Not good. So I just, gonna... there was, there was a lot going on between the two of them. And then I realized there's that parallel between, so he is an orphan and he was raised his entire life being called son so that he could go and save the vicar's sons from war or whatever. And then she spent her whole life basically being told marriage is the only thing that you're alive for. And I think that's a very common storyline thing, especially, um, where the women in our books are concerned. Yeah. Especially because a lot of romance novels aren't about what you consider normal women of society then. Yeah. They're the ones that are a little bit odd. Mm -hmm. They're more into the feminism portion. Yeah. Um, 
of what's going on in their time frame. And that would, she would fall into that category. And so we don't see someone who goes through like a season and is courted by like a bunch of different suitors and she chooses it. And that's like the bachelor version of a, of a romance novel. We see oh. someone who's like, I'm different because I'm smart or I like to draw in her case or I'm interested in animals and like to be outdoors or, you know, stuff like that. And um, I like don't it. see that a lot. I liked it. I liked her as a character, which was surprising to me because normally I'm like, ugh. I liked her too. They don't ever have rights and they know and they're like, I don't want to have rights. My husband can take care of everything. And she's like, oh, fuck you. It was interesting because she didn't care about having rights or not because she had somehow gained all of the rights of a wealthy male landowner by being a widow. And I'm like, whoa, total loophole. Why isn't everyone writing fake death notes? (laughs) Right? But um, so her, her aunt, her aunt Thea. Convinces, Whom I love. Oh, God. She's so good. She's so eccentric. She convinces everyone, you know, Maddie, my madling, she's going through a rough time. It would be better for her to move closer to her loved one's homeland because, you know, he's dead now. And everyone's like, oh, God, Thea, you are so right. You understand her better than any of us. And so they move to Scotland. Uh-huh. And they move into this castle that she's been then willed yep. by, like, a great uncle and Aunt Thea was, in, was the one who got him to, like, hand over a castle. It's like, whoa, okay. And so they, they travel to Linear Castle, and that's where she lives, and that's where she does all of her work. And no one bothers them until Logan McKenzie shows up. Which she's too, super surprised about, because he's supposed to be dead. And, and fake. And fake. <laughs> and he's a real person now. And she's like, no, no, no. And he's like, yes, yes, yes. I'm taking what I want, which is this castle. You told me that we were getting a castle. This is mine. And she's like, you're not real. And he's like, I'm very real. I think it's interesting that because of the details she put in the letters, he knows so much about her. He knows about her family. He knows about their supposed marriage and like all of this stuff. And like one of the things I thought was kind of fun throughout the book is like they're making fake memories. I and so they're like, remember that. our first kiss? And he's like, yeah, it was incendiary. <laughs> incendiary oh, kept popping God. up. It was everywhere in it this wood. It was so funny. And then when she's like, oh, God, you read too? And he's like, yeah, and I know the meaning of the word incendiary. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, he's the perfect man. <laughs> the fact that their banter was not annoying to me. Because sometimes when the banter's not done correctly, you're just like, oh, stop sometimes talking. Sometimes it's too mean. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's too sexual. Yeah. I guess is maybe the problem. This was fun because it let him be smart. Yep. When he was supposed to not be smart, he was supposed to just be the military dude. Yep. And it let her be more like in control and sassy. Yeah. Than I- she would be on her own. And neither one of them felt like the need to hide who they are. Not necessarily. I mean, he obviously hit a lot, but he yeah. was traumatized. So yeah. that, I think, think that's kind of fair. She's also one of the first heroines that we've read that is, well, obviously she's a virgin, right? Mm-hmm. But she's also not afraid of her own body. No. And she's not afraid to show her body to the person that she's hand-fasted to. Because hand-fasting is a little bit different than marriage, and they have to consummate and all this stuff, right? But she's not really afraid to show herself off in the sexual sense, but she's also not just going to be, like, naked. My favorite part of that is that when she realizes that consummating it is what makes it an actual marriage, she does everything in her power to not make it happen because she's like he's not getting my castle he's not real this isn't real we're not doing this mm-hmm. i'm just putting on airs until he goes away and so they're getting ready for bed and she puts on two shifts and one of them is backwards so that when he gets the buttons open for the one the buttons are on the back of the other and she's like no 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 it's not going to happen i thought it was freaking hysterical i also loved that her idea of sex is just penis and vagina sex and that's all she knows Mm -hmm. and he's like there's so much more to it than that yeah and he shows her how that happens how often do we get that in historicals almost never never. and i don't really understand why because oral sex has been around for like a billion years probably just as long as regular good old-fashioned sex yeah like there's no reason for it to be like especially like european 
Yeah. Because I know in other cultures, they don't do oral sex. They just don't. But that's more... That's different. That's not European. Yeah. That's... That's a different culture. Other cultures. I just... I liked that he taught her what it meant to have sex without actually having penetrative sex. Because yeah. we don't normally see that in historicals. Normally in historicals, we're going to see the guy forcing himself on her, and that was what it was going to be. And he didn't force himself at all. No. And he, he flat out states in there, you know, in the in his passages where it's in his thought process, that if she were to say no, that's it, it's done, he's not going to do anything, he'll mm-hmm. step away. And normally in a historical, we're going to get the guy is forcing himself on the woman. So we didn't have hardcore consent issues but there was some scenes where the consent might have been a little dubious just in the fact that he did say well if we're not going to do that we can do this and let me show that to you and she never really said yes and she kind of made herself you know say no at some points but he was like we're going to do it anyway you're going to like it so the dubious consent was interesting but it wasn't as bad as we get in some of them you know, some of them were, were just like, oh, my God, she flat out said, no, this is rape. I hate this. Yeah, we've had a couple books where we've had to talk about that. I think that this was slightly different, partly because while he respected that she said no to physical things, um, she also didn't seem to understand <laughs> what she was saying no to. Yeah. She had never had someone actually educate her, which is weird because her Aunt Thea is like a very worldly woman. We're going to put it that way. Um, she's writing some scandalous smut, man. Yeah, she's like down, right? I love her. I just, I think that had someone educated her, she may have been more willing to do what her body wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that was the problem. Because, like, we didn't have someone who was full-on afraid of their own body. Because we've read stuff where the females are like, what's happening? What's going on downstairs? Like, I don't oh, understand. No. It's like, really? Like, okay. What is this between my thighs? And I'm just like, oh, whatever. And she's like, he tells her at one point, put your hand down there. She's like, done. Let's do this. I'll masturbate for you. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, get it. Yeah get it i do want to talk about how within the consent issue how he did kind of use sex as a way to get what he wanted because he says multiple times we're doing this we're consummating this marriage and then i'm getting this this land this land will be partially mine for my men right and she she knew that that was a thing though normally That'd be, like, one nefarious But her fear thing. came from not being allowed to work anymore. Yeah. And his fear came f- from not having a roof over his head. <laughs> and those are, those are two very realistic concerns, right? Yeah. And so, for him, he wanted to make it a real marriage. And then we find out later that it's for more than just the, the needing land mm-hmm. reason. He, they're actually both very much in love with each other. As they've made up a person. Yeah. This character to be in love with. And so, like, they both have very valid reasons for concern. And he makes sure that she understands that because when they go to the Beetle Ball. <laughs> this is the second book we've read where we've had a Beetle Ball. ball. Right? <laughs> I read that and I was like, um, didn't we just read that in Boyfriend Material? <laughs> the Crap the Party? Ball? The, the Crap, crap ball. Party? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... He shows her, like, Lord Farley is kind of a dick. Yeah. And he had no intention of actually giving you any work. He was trying to impress her. She's like, no, that's not it. He's, he's like, a man of the realm, and he's a naturalist, and, like, whatever. And he keeps thinking they're nudists. They're naturalists, or whatever they're called. Naturists. Naturists, which are nudists. Yeah. She's like, no, naturalists. They like animals and the way the world works. And he's like, sure. (laughs) But then... It's very, very clear from Lord Varley's, you know, conversation with them. That's like, well, yeah, she's talented, but why would I, I hire someone who's married? Yeah. She's going to be pregnant. Well, and not only or whatever. that. And it's like, wow, rude. She goes to this ball under the in- impression that he's going to give her credit on the work that she's done for his 
Beatles. Right. And then he never mentions her by name. He never says anything regarding who's the one who did the like, art. Normally, if you're there to celebrate someone for a specific job that they've done and you've compensated them for, you'd be like, and here's Madeline Grace Church. She I wanted, did all the drawings. And thank you so much for making this happen. And instead, he's like, fuck you. He's like, I drew everything. And she's like, no, you fucking didn't. Yeah, he and was gross. Logan knew that. So he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's so mad. Yeah, Lord Varley was the worst. Yeah, and like, really rude. But really he was rude. He was more of a realistic villain in a historical that we've ever mm-hmm. read. Because normally they're like dastardly. And we're like, what the fuck? It's not a thing I was that glad, happens. by the way, that her mom or her, her stepmom wasn't an evil stepmom and gave her like she didn't want little siblings and then she has you know henry and emma come along and she's like i love them they're the best ever yeah it was it was nice to see because i thought she was gonna write in her letters to logan mckenzie about how awful her her new stepmother was and how you know whatever and instead she's like she's always cheerful and she's really kind and that's like a huge turn of events from what we normally read about any kind of remarrying within a family yeah so that was really nice. And, I mean, her dad must have been really young still. Because he would have been, like, probably near 40. I think she, I th- if the letters are right, I think she said something that he's, like, 10 years older than his new wife. And she was 24. Which would make more sense. But that would only make him 34. But her, she did say her mother died really young. So, I mean, well, there's that, too. Yeah. And she's an only child up until... Yeah. The little kids come. So, I don't know. There was a lot that was, I feel, uncommon. Not so much in real life and how historical stuff is set, mm-hmm. but just in the writing of a historical romance. Yeah. We often miss a lot of that stuff. And we didn't have um, a male character that was a complete and total asshole to contend with. Like, he was a jerk sometimes. But I didn't hate him. But I thought he was a jerk. With good intention, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it because does. Because if his end goal was, we have to be married no matter what because... Yeah. Like, these six dudes rely on me because they have nothing. And I've promised them something. Those, and, like, those it's dudes. a weirdly honorable reason to be a dick. Yeah, those dudes were so sweet, though. Mm-hmm. I liked all of his soldiers. They were so great. The one guy who has who's missing his arm, he's got one arm. Oh, I, yeah, and I was excited because he's going to be, he's going to fall in love next. <gasps> it's great. Yeah, I loved it. That was great at the end. This was, would you consider this our first marriage of convenience? Um, no. No? I don't think so. Well, Beast of Bestwick would have been marriage of convenience. That's true. That's Most true. Most historicals, I feel, are marriage yeah. of convenience type stories. This one, for sure, it was convenient in that she he was going to get something. I don't think it was very convenient for her. And it was definitely an enemies to lovers situation. It was convenient when he was threatening her, even though he never had the letters. <laughs> okay, so he used those letters as blackmail. Like, you have to do this, or I'm going to send these to the society pages. And she's like, please don't do that. Or I'll send him to your father. She's like, oh, God, definitely don't do that. Yeah. And then we find out that he memorized all of the letters. Because he read them over and over and over. Because, well, and we find out that he didn't become a captain until, like, she called him a captain and everyone was cracking jokes. And he was like, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to prove everyone wrong and I'm going to be a captain. And then it happens and everyone's, like, now respecting him and stuff. But he only has this one yellowed piece of paper and it's there's it's not even the letter. He's just reciting what he remembers mm-hmm. from those letters. I thought that was adorable. And she believed him, too, the entire time. She was like, oh, shit. And I mean, why wouldn't she? You know, he was so sure of himself. In his blackmail, that I would have been like, where are the fucking... I honestly thought they were going to be in his vest pocket or some shit. Well, and she looked everywhere. She was like, it's in his sporin. It's in his knapsack. It's It's got to be it's somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. And then it was nothing. There was nothing. It was just nothing. The letters weren't real anymore. He threw them in a fire when she sent the letter saying, I have to kill you now. You're dead now. Honestly, a lot of what is included in this story as the different plot lines, I could easily see this turn into like a weird 
movie, like a made-for-TV kind of movie. Yeah, kind of. Because I think it's easy to follow, and it's not, like, horrific in any way. No. Like, the trauma that they both enjoy is is separate trauma. Yeah. And the trauma that leads to both of their, like, other issues, like abandonment or, like, her PTSD. Yeah. Um, are things that would be, like, easily conveyed mm-hmm. on screen. Yeah. Without being super, like, over the edge. Over, over the top, yeah. yeah. His, his whole thing is he's been abandoned and then no one ever really loved him. And then hers is she snuck out when her mother was dying. She was, like, eight yeah. Went to, like, a carnival or something. and She wanted to see the pantomime. Yeah. And then a, something happened, and the crowd went crazy, and there was nobody there to save her, and she was kind of on her own, and she snuck in, and nobody ever knew that this happened. And that's why she doesn't do well in crowds. And I could see it as, like, an eight-year-old with no one there to make sure that you're, like, alive. That's <laughs> that scary. That and then having to walk home in the cold and in the dark, like, Ugh. that would mess you up, definitely. And then that's the night that her mom dies. Yeah. And so just the guilt of that would be I was off awful. having fun and I almost died in a crowd and then my mom was here dying on her own. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't here and I now I'm a horrible child. How dare I? Yeah. And then she's got you know she's got the PTSD, but she's got a lot of anxiety on top of that because of the past traumas. And then his trauma is I'm an orphan and was left. His mom left him when he was old enough to remember it. He's also one of the only people that outright just says, of course I was scared every time I went into battle. Are you kidding me? That's he's battle. Like, of course I was frightened. It's scary. And it's he's terrifying. like, but you can't let people know that? And she's like, oh. <laughs> I like that he was he was honest about it. How often do we get that? I'm just, so this whole time is going to be, how often do we get this in a historical? Because I think it's it was because different. because he was written as a character without an ego that's bigger than the entire world. Yeah. And I think that's something that we don't often see in male characters, which is too bad, because the ones that have normal-sized egos are way more relatable and way more fun to read. Yeah. Because yeah. like, at some point, you're like, oh, this cocky asshole is so annoying. Can't stand him. How dare he? Um, I want to get back to men who read. Do you follow the hot guys who read on, on subways? Instagram? Yeah. Yes. The Instagram is so funny. I just... It's interesting to see what they're reading, too, though. Yeah. I have never dated a guy who reads. Ever. And it's very sad. As someone who enjoys reading a lot. Yeah. It's awful. I tried to get my ex-husband to read Ender's Game once. (laughs) It's Ender's Game. Yeah. It's It's not a huge book. No, it's not. He got 50 pages in and then stopped. I think it's really interesting because pretty much our entire friend group reads mm-hmm. right now. Um, not not all of them, but some the, of the boys. <laughs> some of the boys don't. Um, I would say there's like four that do and two that don't. Mm-hmm. And the two that don't, one has a good reason and one is just not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to see like what they're drawn to because a lot of them I'll make like I've made them read some of the books that I read with my class mm-hmm. and or they'll be like oh that's such a good book I read that in middle school and I'm like yes. oh you should read it again it's still good and that is always interesting to me I was I always found it interesting as well like one time um when the Martian came out when it was the book it was right before the movie yeah um Alex I was talking about how I'd read it, and he's like, man, can I borrow that? I'm like, absolutely. Here you go. I think he still has my copy. I think he has my Harry Potter. I went and bought my another one. I was like, that's not the cover I wanted anyway. You can have that one. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, we have... I think part of the problem, too, is just that the time that you have to yourself these days mm-hmm. is very, very sparing. Yeah. And so, like, for us doing this podcast is a way to read things we wouldn't normally pick up and read. And that's kind of part of the fun. And then, like, aside from that, it's constant work. Like, oh, yeah. I told you, like, I did the math. Oh, God. I work, like, 70 hours a week. That's awful. And I'm like, oh, well, no wonder I'm feeling burnt out. But it's similar across everyone. Like, uh, some people get to do the, my time's up, I go home. I don't think about it again until the next shift or whatever. Yeah. And then some people don't get to do that. And I think we're seeing that a lot more. 
as the reason that people can't do anything that's recreational, including reading. Yeah. And so when someone or like my sister will be like, we should all read this book and talk about it. I'm like, sure. And I'm like, but when? (laughs) Wait, the next time that happens, get me in on that shit. She and her hubby want to do The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Okay. I think she started reading it. I don't know if she finished it. Um, But like, Steven reads novels. He's super into the Jack Ryan series. I fucking love it. He's super into Harry Potter. Um, well, yeah, because that was adorable. Your nephew is <laughs> days old and he's reading him, reading Harry, him Potter Harry Potter already. Yeah. So just like having things like that to talk about amongst friends is really nice. And not anything we see in modern romance. No, I think which it's, is very weird to me. It is strange to me because we have so much more now in regards to novels. Like at one point he's reading Pride and Prejudice and she's like, You're reading Jane Austen? Like what? First of all, terrible choice. Yeah. But Jane at the time is awful. At the time that was contemporary, so right. it made and, sense. And that would have been a big deal. And I get that Jane Austen's a big deal, so don't come at me. She's, <laughs> she's a big deal in her own way. She's just hella boring. She's just not for us. Hella boring. Oh, dear God. Not for us. I would have been way more impressed with some Mary Shelley shit. Oh, Frankenstein is one of my favorite books ever. It's the best, right? I love it. Anyway... I just think <laughs> I just think it's nice to see that we have this big war hero and he's like supposed to be this big bad guy and he's laying in bed at night reading a well-worn novel that he's clearly read before and he's laying back with one of his arms behind his head and he's turning the pages Why with his thumb. Why isn't that the cover? Why is that not the it cover? It would have been so much better. This cover is shit compared to the idea that you just described. Him just laying in bed with a book? I would have picked this up so much sooner. I think this is supposed to be her dress from the Beetle Ball, by the way. I never paid attention. But I think that dress was supposed to be satin or silk, and this is clearly not. Most of the time, these dresses are white. Yeah. And then they just put them in. But hers is green. Also, I just realized that she has a piece of his his plaid in her hair, which does happen in the book. Yeah. Which I thought was cute. And he it's like a huge turn on for him. It is a huge turn on. He's like, hell yeah, that's my wife. He's like, fuck yeah. She's wearing my plaid. <laughs> that's a big deal for Scotsmen to be yeah, wearing. Yeah, plaid. And plaids, oh my God. We've researched plaids for school before. Oh, God. There's so much that goes into it. The pattern mm. is... Like, a huge, huge deal. The patterns, like, the colors. Like, in America, we have, like, two patterns of plaid. And in Scotland... There's a billion. It's And the colors and how thick they are uh-huh. and what way they go, all of that matters. Yep. Because otherwise, it's a different clan. Yeah. And it's like, I get it, but oh my god, that's so much detail. It's a lot of detail. But it makes sense. But it, it does make sense. I like the way they use their, their kilts, too, like their plaids, because... In the daytime, they wear it as their kilt. But mm-hmm. at night, that's their blanket. That's their bedroll. Yeah. And they show, they had him in trousers. Yeah. And normally, we don't get that when we talk about oh. anything in a kilt. Nope. Nope. But that would make sense because kilts weren't everyday wear. No. For the most part. In some places, yes. In most places, no. But they're often for like war or special occasions. Mm-hmm. Weddings. Weddings. Things like dances. that. Dances. They're thing was it called i want to say it's the britain i don't think that's what it's called but the big party where they all like snuff the hearth and take the <laughs> new clothes i love that you know this what all these things because the most it's of, in the book yeah most of <laughs> most of my i'll be honest most of my historical scottish stuff knowledge has come from um outlander okay i mean it's outlander it's pretty good um Season one was real rough at the end. Oh, I don't know. Why, um, but. Can we... Okay. So we talked about men reading. Can we yeah. please talk about another thing that we don't see in romance yes. ever? Dental hygiene in the Regency era. He brushed his teeth. Hygiene in general is like a big deal. And we had some instances where they are, first of all, openly discussing hygiene. Yeah. And then doing the hygiene stuff she's taking a bath after being stuck in the bog he's brushing his teeth and washing his face he's washing under his arms just to make sure hair 
what? It's all that stuff. And there's one point where he asked her about her menstrual cycle. When are your courses? Just out there. Because in front of people. And it was fine. Because she was getting ready to leave. Like, she was deciding whether or not she should go, go on, on this the trip. To yeah, go on the boat. To Bermuda. And, um... It's kind of at the end. And she's like, well, what if I'm pregnant? He's like, when are your courses? She's like, like in a week. And he's like, okay, well, well then you'll know, know then. before the boat leaves. Yeah, yeah. But it's like not a big deal. And I'm like, we never see that either. No. So that was refreshing in a very strange way. I have a weird thing, too, where like watching Game of Thrones or watching Outlander when they're making out. And I'm like, when was the last time they brushed their teeth? Yeah. Because it grosses me out. Yeah. Because morning breath is like the absolute worst. And in those times, you had morning breath always. Your face was rotting. I refuse to kiss anyone when I have morning breath. I refuse to kiss anyone unless I, I brush rude. my teeth. I can't do it. It's like I don't leave my house if I haven't showered. I mean, gum helps a lot. But it's not enough. Okay, so having gum but never brushing your teeth is not acceptable? No. Right. But like, if you're going to kiss someone... <laughs> And you do not have the ability to brush your teeth. That's the kind thing to do. Or you've already brushed your teeth and now you're out on a date. And yeah. you've had dinner. Now you can put a piece Just of gum in Just some hot mouth. tips for everyone out there. Just, gum is okay, but don't put it in my mouth. Spit it out before you kiss me. Because if it makes its way into my mouth, I'm vomiting. This all stems from the fact that they brushed their teeth in a Regency romance and we're excited excited about it. We're just excited because we don't see that a lot. We don't see that ever. And it's kind of exciting. Um, It's also kind of exciting to see weird pets. Because we always have dogs. By the way, I went to Barnes and Noble the other day. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at, you know, they have like those little tables are like new releases or whatever. Yeah. There is a book. And now I can't remember the title. I should have taken a picture of it. It is the exact cover of a book that we've already read, but a different color background. It's red. Not mm-hmm. I think the one that we read was mint green. Okay. But it's got like the woman and then the guy okay. and like the title and then a little dog. And I was like, oh, we've read that one. But I don't remember what the book is. Is it a historical? No. It's, what, it's a contemporary that we've read. What the fuck? But I can't remember what it was. I don't remember. Are we going to have to finish this? Is it this? the French bulldog where she adopts it as a surprise at the end? That's that we did not. Really that's like. not the girl you marry. Yeah, I think it was that. Do we have to make a trip to Barnes and Noble after this? I don't know. It's weird because I took a picture of a different book because I read the back. I was like, oh, that sounds kind of fun. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actively looking and whatever. Oh, that's great. That's um, hysterical. Yeah, everything's a dog. Or Sometimes a cat. Sometimes it's a cat. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Very rarely. Didn't we have... No, that he called her duckling. It wasn't an actual duck. That was in the Lost <laughs> Tessa Dare episode that we won't release. Oh, God. That we Because we couldn't get over the fact that he called her duckling. We're like, why? Why? Why are you calling her that? Stop that. Because that was weird. But okay. On to the weird pets. She has two pet lobsters. And they're not really pets. They're supposed to be for scientific research so she can sketch their life cycle and their mating stuff. <laughs> I love that she pulls out... They call it a pillow book. It's lobster porn. It's the ways that she imagines they could be making love. Well, and he was like, well, she's like, I've sketched out all the ways that they could. And he's like, okay, how? And she pulls it out and he goes, you've drawn a pillow book. And she's like, no, this This is research. Hypothetical. And he's like, this is porn. And she's like, super embarrassed. But he's like, clearly, this is lobster sex. Like... (laughs) Some lobster lovin's going on. I loved it. I um, thought it was hysterical. I thought it was weird that their names were Rex and Fluffy. The, not because not because they were lobsters. They're lobsters, but because those are I don't know that those are very Those are things appropriate names for pets. I mean Fluffy would be like a, a, a dog or like a cat. cat. Rex, Rex would be a dog. Yeah. A hundred percent. I don't it was Fluffy just, could also be a true. rabbit, but I all of my rabbits had people names. Ours had Disney names. That's adorable. Yeah, they were freaking cute. I also they really were evil, but they're cute. I also think think it's hysterical when you give animals like people names. Oh God, I love animals with people names. Like my cat's Oliver. Who has a dog named Gary? There's a dog. Is it um? 
Jimmy Fallon. I think so. His dog's name is Gary. I had I had a coworker at the the call center I worked at who has a dog now, and his name is Kevin. I oh Kevin Kevin. I think that's like one of the most fun things about dogs, though. Giving them funny names. They don't care. They don't give a shit. You could call your dog Steve. Wouldn't give a shit. Oh God, I would never call a dog Steve. Though. <laughs> That would be too weird. But we, so that stray cat that used to come around my house, we used to call her Victoria. Vicky. But she had a smoker voice, so she was Vicky. <laughs> I miss trailer Vicky. Park Vicky. I miss Vicky. Poor I Vicky. Poor thing. She just up and disappeared, she, and that's never a good sign in Arizona. A rough life. But yeah, um, she, it was also kind of weird that she had no other live creatures. Just the lobsters. Mm -hmm. Everything else was stuffed or like mounted behind glass. <laughs> freaked which him out. Is gross. I hate that kind of stuff. When he hit the beetle, he was freaking out because there was a beetle behind her, and he smashes it. She was like, "It was already dead." She was like, "No, <laughs> no, I have to put it behind glass." <laughs> but also, so like, if that if you see a beetle, like, I'm gonna flick it. I'm not yeah. gonna squish it. I don't like the crunch. She's it's, doing ugh. her favor. I, I mean, guess. I don't know. Being heroic, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I liked the unconventional pets, though. I like a good unconventional animal. I, I do funny. too, and I think that it was nice that she didn't have other animals, even yeah. though her, I would have, I would have expected her to. Her house wasn't overrun with pets. She does her art in like a dungeon. <laughs> it's in the tower. Yeah. She goes so in the tower. That's where everything's cold and it'll stay nice. Then the lobster gets one of the lobsters gets loose. Ugh, fluffy. Because they were waiting for her to molt. And so <laughs> she had to go to the beetle ball. They put her put fluffy in a bucket and then the bucket got tipped during a card game. <laughs> I loved all of Logan McKenzie's soldiers. Yeah. But I also would have wanted to shake them. So I was like, oh, buddy, like, you can't just. You can't put a lobster in a bucket. You can't just do that. Like, That's not how that gonna, works. And then the lobster, like, I always say bites, but I know it's the claw. It's like pinches. Yeah, he, like, gets someone's finger or something. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> you can hear a scream down the hallway. It's great. It's pretty good. It's so good. It's pretty good. Um, let's I would see. never go after a lobster. Two grand gestures. Do you want to explain those? Okay. So we always have at least one grand gesture. Yep. And usually someone is trying to win someone back. Yeah. And so you kind of expect that at their like bonfire night, right? Because they've officially broken up. She's supposed to leave. It's a big deal. They're like being all dramatic. Like, I love you, but I don't love you. Blah, blah, blah. Right? Whatever. And so we expect a grand gesture then. But instead, we get... One of his soldiers explaining the brooch thing because she's been jealous this whole time that he loved someone else. How dare he? How and dare he reuse this brooch? Well, because someone intended for some other lady. Someone hands her a baby. She loves babies, by the way, which is also not something that we see. Yeah, no. Normally. Um, so someone hands someone from the village hands her their baby so mm -hmm. she could go have some time to herself because she is a widow now. She's new to their village. Yep. And so yep. she's holding the baby and she realizes this brooch that she was given when they got handfasted, they got married, looks similar to the brooch on this baby's blanket. Mm -hmm. And she asks one of the guys, I can't remember which one. Not the one Grant. with the stump arm. Yeah, not Grant. Callum. There you go, Callum. Um, so Callum explains what it is. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of sitting there thinking like, this whole time, hers has... LM and AD mm -hmm. and she's like who's AD you were you did you love her and he's like in my own way I tried and she doesn't really he understand could have that. explained that better he could have he was just being a dick well he was also having abandonment issues at this point a lot of them so she realizes that they're reused throughout life so they're like passed down and she's suddenly thinking oh shit I fucked up and then she's like hey Callum so the initial honest that's the baby's name. He's like, oh, no, those are the parents. And she's like, ah, shit. <laughs> yeah, she realizes her mistake. So we think this is the grand gesture. Yeah. That she's going to do a big apology thing. And and instead, they're still arguing and like whatever. And then they have sex. Well, they have a memory. They Do you remember they the time we memory. made love? <laughs> yeah. So like they have the sex. 
which is good, by the way, on the on page six. Yeah, there was she, solid Tessa sex. Dare, where was this in the last book we read? Because the last book we read, we were not impressed with the sex. How much and of the last book, one, we're like, hey. How much of the last book was just that we were having a hard time because we had someone else on the podcast and all we read was historicals and we were getting burnt out? I don't honestly know. It could be quite a bit of it, if we're I honest. But no. But, so we think that's our grand gesture, right? It's not. No. Our grand gesture comes later when they're doing the good stuff and they're, like, getting along. And then she's offered work suddenly. And he's like, listen, babe, you gotta go. Like, this is your dream. And our deal was, like, I wouldn't stop your dream even if we were actually married. But at this point, they're all in love, right? Mm-hmm. And so she's like, okay, well, I'll pack my stuff and I'll go and I'll see you in six months, which I think is insane. And I kept being like, go with her. But he was also injured. Yeah. Right? So we have this whole thing. He's like, I will survive you promise me you come back. She's like, well, I don't want to leave because you have all these problems. And he's like, no, you come back to me. It will be fine. You'll have your dream still. And so she leaves. And we're like, oh, man. So the grand gesture is going to be he goes to get her. Yep. And he uh, he's going to. He's like, oh, shit. They leave tomorrow. I've, I've just been getting drunk this whole time because I'm sad that she's gone now because I like a human again. <laughs> and so he's like, I got to go. And everyone's like, okay. But you got to ride fast because it's going to be a long trip. And then she shows up because she did her grand gesture. They like, we're going to exchange grand gestures. And instead we have two like half-assed grand gestures. I, I like that the medic guy was like, as your doctor... I can't condone you do this. You are still injured. Mm-hmm. You needed to have left two weeks ago. What are you doing? And he was like, but also you go ahead. Do As it. your friend, I say go get her. Yeah. So we had we had a lot of almost grand gesture mm-hmm. because they're both out grand gesturing each other, which it, is also fine. It wasn't terrible. I didn't hate no, it. There are some where like I hate the grand gesture. Ugh, some so of them are stupid. So this was preferable because... I know you don't watch Friends, but this is very Rachel Green, I got off the plane feeling. Um, There's actually kind of a lot of stuff in here that reminded me of Friends. And I don't know if that means Tessa Dare is like a big fan of Friends is like subconsciously writing it in here. (laughs) But like, I don't know. As someone who follows her on Twitter, I have not seen any Friends references. Lots of interesting. Lots of baby goats, though. Oh, really baby into, goats are pretty stinking cute. They're adorable. They're chaos demons, though. They're insane. Oh yeah, they're awful. They're horrible. They're mean too. Not always. No, they're mean. My aunt raises pygmy goats. Oh, they're that's why you, you have pygmy to, goats. You have to sometimes um, <laughs> tie them to weights so they don't like <laughs> kick the shit out of each other. Oh no! <laughs> while they're doing things like stuff like that, just signals that I don't want that in my life. <laughs> Um, anyways, I feel like we've covered most of the things in the book. I mean, we do, I mean, at the end we of course find out that Aunt Thea was like, well, I knew you were lying the whole time. She's like, for a decade, you could have said, like, hey, I know you're lying. And she's like, well, I thought you knew. I thought we both understood we were both lying to each other. (laughs) And, and poor Maddie's like, no, I felt so guilty. And you're like, oh, you shouldn't have felt guilty. It's not a big deal. <laughs> oh, by the way, I was also really in love with your uh, great uncle, just an FYI. Yeah, for like 20 years. And she's like, wait. We- so we have like that. We like she has this big moment where she's like, I'm going to come clean. And I hope she still loves me. And then Anthea's like, girl, I know. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> like I made up my my being presented story. And that's how I got to do whatever I want. So I just assumed you were doing the same thing. And this made you happy. <laughs> I loved Anthea. She was so funny. And like, she, the woman who buys everything and thinks she's an apothecary. Like, <laughs> I have an aunt like that. And it's like, oh, honey. Like, brandy and curdled, curdled milk and brandy. And I was so ugh, gross. And then some pickling spices to bring it all together. I was ugh. like, oh, no. But it's weird because you know that that's like a thing. Like. I don't know if your family has any of that kind of weird stuff, but my mom always wanted to do a mustard rubs. Yeah. But it's like, it heats up because it's like oil and and mustard and stuff. And that goes on your chest and like stuff like that. We always had that kind of thing in my family. Uh, Triaminic. 
It was orange triaminic. Oh, yeah, the good one. Yeah, the, the only, grape one's weird. The only triaminic that should count is the orange one. Um, That's and so gross. Like they have a weird cherry one now. Ew. We had. Um, I can taste the medication from my childhood. Um, orange triaminic, the um, amoxicillin with the bubble gum. Ugh. Oh, don't miss that. Oh, I loved that. I thought it was great. But no. I loved it because my sister couldn't have it because she was allergic. Okay. Because my sister's allergic to anything that ends in psyllin for the most part. Great. Um, and then we had chronic ear infections as kids. So um, our eardrops, you know, normal people would like heat them up in their hands or whatever. Not my mom. My mom stuck that in her bra. You know, body heat. Put it why in, not? Put it in your boobs. It'll warm up. Those are really the only things from my childhood. Huh. Flat Pepsi when I had a migraine. Advil. It was two Advils and a flat Pepsi. That sounds awful. For my migraines. And then when my migraine was over, I was allowed ice cream because I just went through the worst experience of my life. Not a good time. But otherwise, no, not really anything crazy. Yeah. But Anthea has like all kinds of stuff that she does. And it doesn't normally fix anything. No, it's just kind of there to... But she's like, I'll buy anything in a catalog. And it's like, yep. And then she has too much of it. So they take it to distribute it, which I think is hilarious. And the, and uh, Maddie leaves Logan with it. And he's like, would have been nice if you were there. She's like, too many people. No thanks. She's like, no, I, I hid. I hid. Nope. Can't do that. I would like to meet a Logan McKenzie. Yeah. He sounds like a good time. He sounds pretty great. He sounds pretty hot. Not according to this cover. <laughs> his hair isn't long enough for me. No? Do you believe that that's the same human that is described? He's ripped as shit, though. Well, yeah, obviously he's a soldier just came back from a grueling war, Jessica. Okay. <laughs> so let's do this. I think we've covered pretty much everything. On a scale yeah. of one to five, how many stars do you give when a Scott ties the knot? I'm going to go with a four. Wow. I have read a lot of kilted warrior type romance novels in my past in my past it's a it's a genre that doesn't get a lot of attention that's true but i i dig an accent you may not know this about me jess no i do i like an accent (laughs) i do know this about you (laughs) um i feel like i've known you long enough at this point i felt like as far as like the storyline went easy to follow easy to read had some funny moments (laughs) not as funny as boyfriend material but that's because we don't have our, our best friend. Boyfriend material Boyfriend was the best. It was so funny. But I think it wrapped it up really nicely. She did, of course, end up getting pregnant and all that stuff at the end. But we, we're we used to that more in historicals than anything else. I didn't hate that. It worked for what they were doing. Exactly. I was also really concerned when it started off saying she was 16. And I was like, are we, we going to read a weird underage love oh God, story. I was so glad was that we had so a time jump. I was so worried that she was going to like be married off to some like 30 year old man and she's 16 and we're going to have to deal with with like creepy underage shit. But it was good. Characters were solid. Even like the background characters I really enjoyed. I don't feel like there were any secondary characters that were unnecessary. And normally that's one of the big problems I have. Yeah. With I didn't books. I didn't find anything like that. I gave it a 3. Okay. Pretty solid 3 for me. Like I said last night when I texted you, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. Yeah. It was good for what it was. It's better than I expected it to be for sure. I don't feel like I rate historicals very high to begin with. No. Um, yes, no. The last historical I rated really high was Beverly Jenkins, but that was a different time. And that was an American historical. Yeah. I have a hard time with the Regency era. We've discussed it before. It is what it is. But I gave it a three. I enjoyed what I did read. I enjoyed it. I didn't hate everything about yeah. it. I read it in one sitting. It, it did. It was fast. The font is ridiculously big in this. Yeah. I noticed that after you texted me, like, at the beginning of the week, and you're like, why is this, like, such big font? I honestly don't know. Because I was like, do, do they only make it in this font? It was really weird. It was. I didn't hate it, though. So I gave it a three. I enjoyed the characters. I think it's just the time frame doesn't do it for me. And that's just on me. Um, So next time we're reading another Scottish romance. Yep. Um, But this time we're reading a contemporary Scottish romance called A Highlander Walks Into a Bar by Laura Trentum. Trentum, Trentum. 
<laughs> we'll see. I'm excited because. Well, yeah, because of the accent. Because <laughs> there's, there's another accent. <laughs> it's great when I can, like, remember when we read the dragon one as the Irish guys? Uh huh. And we're like, that was painful because their accent was written incorrectly. Oh, God. This one was, the accent was written correctly. I got really excited when I saw Dinah Fash pop up in there, which means don't worry. Yeah. Um, that's. I say that to my friend Beth all the time. Dinner fash, Beth. Dinner fash. Like, there are certain things that you need to write properly, and this one had it done properly. They talk about how the sex is going to be vera vera good, and not very it's very good. It's interesting because, like, you know that it's vera, but mm-hmm. it's the double R. And so yeah. in my head, I'm like, that's not what that says, but it is because <laughs> it's not Spanish. It was great. It was so good. So, uh, anyways, join us next uh, next time. I keep saying next week. Join us in two weeks when we discuss <laughs> a Highlander walks into a bar. Um, and until then, remember, bad bitches read romance. Bye. Bye.